So uh, today, uh, Torah and tea, we'll discuss a little bit of the Parsha. We'll discuss two, uh, two subjects, and um, they're both um, addressed, you know, by the Rebbe in various different ways, but uh, we'll try to bring out a point or two of the different uh, idea that the Rebbe presents. So first, let's go through a little bit of the story of what happens over here. So... In this parsha, we discuss about the inheritance of the land of Israel, how the land will be distributed to the people that will enter the land. And the way it worked is that uh, the, uh, the men all got a portion. Of course, the wives went along with the men, but the land was divided by the by by the men now there were uh Slavchod, he had five daughters so the pasuk says vatikravno benois slavchot ben chefer ben gilu ben mochir ben menashe the mishpachos menashe they were from the family of menashe and they uh came uh, these are the and these are the name Machla Noya Chogla Milka Sirsa. So there were five daughters there, and they came to Moshe Rabbeinu. Vatamoidno lifnei Moshe v'lifnei Elozer Hakoyin. So they come before Moshe, now before and Elozer the Kohen. Now, what does this tell us? This was Moshe and Elozer. What happened to Aaron? This is talking about after the passing of Aaron already. Rashi says this was already after the 40 years after Aaron passed away. So they stood before Moshe and before Elazar the Koyen and in front of the tribes in the entire community by the entrance to the tent of meeting saying. And they came to Moshe Rabbeinu and saying that our father died in the desert he was not amongst the people who ganged up against Hashem together with Korach. He had his individual sin, and he has no sons. So it turns out that our father, who would, if he had sons, would get a portion in the land of Israel. But he didn't have any sons. He only had daughters. So these were the five daughters. And their complaint was, Loma Yigora Why should our father's name be diminished, be lacking from his family? He has no son, so there's nobody to inherit him. We want you to give us a part in the land of Israel amongst our father's brothers, just like our father's brothers will get a part, so our father should get as well, and since he has no son, should give it to us. And this parsha finishes with the words, Vayakrev Moshe es mishpotom lifnei Hashem. So Moshe brings their judgment before Hashem. Basically, asking Hashem what to do. 
And then in the next parsha we read that Hashem says that if a man dies and leaves no sons, then the daughter inherits them. So basically that they did get the inheritance. So Moshe Rabbeinu brings their judgment before Hashem. So, here is an interesting Rashi. So Rashi says, what happened over here? How come Moshe Rabbeinu did not know what the law was? What happened that Moshe Rabbeinu had to ask by Hashem what the law was? So Rashi says, actually, he knew the law, but he had forgotten it. Moshe Rabbeinu knew the law before, but he forgot the law. Rashi says, Nisalmo halacha mimenu, that the law was forgotten from him. But why is it that Moshe Rabbeinu forgot this law? What's the reason for that? So Rashi says that he got punished, that Moshe Rabbeinu got punished. We learn when Moshe Rabbeinu originally, when he said to the people, he said that, you know, he appointed other judges under him. And he said that all the easy things you will handle, in other words, the laws that you know you will handle, but he says that the difficult things, the things that are too difficult for you, them you bring them to me. That seems kind of boasting, or that seems kind of uh, a way of giving himself a lot of credit, because he basically said that things that it's too difficult for you bring to me, and you know, in other words, I will resolve it. So just to, uh, I guess, uh, to make up for those kind of statements, Hashem paid him, and he says. Okay, let's see. No, you forgot the halacha. So you say that the difficult things they can bring to you. Here, I'll show you. So Moshe Rabbeinu forgot the law, and therefore he had to bring it before Hashem. So basically, according to this interpretation, Moshe Rabbeinu was punished for speaking before in a way that came across boasting, or in a way of giving himself too much credit. And it's, it's actually amazing that, I guess, for Moshe Rabbeinu, who really was uh, at such a high level, but yet it wasn't appropriate for him and his level to say, whatever is difficult to you, you bring to me. That wasn't appropriate, apparently. That's one interpretation of Rashi. Then Rashi gives another reason why he forgot the halacha. Rashi says because while Moshe Rabbeinu was going to write the next part, the Shem says when there's no sons, you give it to the daughter, but there was a special privilege that the daughters of Tzlovchot had, and it was written through them. So basically what it means is According to the first interpretation, Moshe Rabbeinu was punished. According to the second interpretation, 
it was taken away from Moshe Rabbeinu in order to give a chance for the daughters of Tzlovchot to have a section of the Torah written that they should be the they should be the uh, they should be the reason why it's written. So these are the two interpretations in the Rashi. Now, as you see, Rashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu forgot. He forgot the law. Why does Rashi say that Moshe Rabbeinu forgot the law? Why can't it be possible that Moshe Rabbeinu never heard the law from Hashem? Hashem didn't tell Moshe Rabbeinu all the laws. So maybe Moshe Rabbeinu was never told what the law is in such a case. Rashi assumes that Moshe Rabbeinu knew, he forgot it, either because he was punished or because it was given over through the daughters of Tzlovchot. But who said that he forgot it or that he... Maybe he never heard the halacha and he went to Hashem to ask the halacha. So that's what the Rebbe asks, one of the issues the Rebbe raises in this sira. How do we know that Moshe forgot? Maybe he was never told. Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu was never told, and that's why he had to ask Hashem. Well, the Rebbe learns from the language. It says in the Pesach, it says, Vayakriv Moshe es mishpotom. What is the word mishpotom? Moshe brought their judgment. Normally, one would use the language that Moshe brought this matter before Hashem, rather than the word, this mishpat, this, this judgment before Hashem. We would expect for the verse to have said that Moshe Rabbeinu brought this matter before Hashem. The fact that the Torah uses here the language of mishpatan tells us the matter itself was not something that was an issue here. Moshe Rabbeinu had already had the knowledge and discussion about what this is all about. But he literally forgot the ruling, forgot the mishpatan. He forgot the ruling that what is the ruling in such a case. Um, So, but in essence, um, it's a little bit difficult to understand uh, the first interpretation of Rashi, um, that Rashi says that he was punished. It took a very long time this happened in the beginning when they went out of Egypt, when they first came to the desert. Then Yitro, his father-in-law, told him to appoint, uh, make, get help over there. And that's when Moshe Rabbeinu said, the difficult thing you bring to me. So that was 40 years back. So why is it that Hashem waited uh, for such a long time, 39 years, uh, to, uh, I guess, to punish Moshe. So all of a sudden, now he forgot, all of a sudden, 40 years later. Uh, 
So that's why Rashi isn't happy with the first interpretation. That's why Rashi says, well, no, 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 this wasn't really a punishment, but this is actually something which was a privilege for the daughters of Tzlovchot. And the Pasuk in many uh, times talks about these daughters of Tzlovchot that, and Rashi over here, that they were very special. They loved Israel. They wanted a portion in the land of Israel, not just for the sake of themselves, but rather they wanted a portion in Israel because they loved Israel. And they had a desire to be part in Eretz Yisrael. I guess if their father was alive, then they would have a portion in their father's home, but in this case, there was nobody there, so they were looking for a portion for themselves. But yet, also in this second interpretation, it seems like Moshe Rabbeinu lost out because Hashem wanted to give a chance for the daughters of Tzlovchot to write this Pasuk. So, while you want to give another person a chance, so why should Moshe Rabbeinu lose out? Rashi says Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to write this section too. He wasn't supposed to ask for Hashem. The reason why he had to ask Hashem is to give the opportunity of the doors of Tzlovcha to initiate this whole, this whole discussion. Basically, the Rebbe says this is this topic was already known to Moshe Rabbeinu, was discussed before, but the writing in the Torah, that as it comes out, came as initiated by the daughters of Tzlovchot. That shows us that Hashem wanted to give them a reward, Hashem wanted them to write it. But on the other hand, it turns out that Moshe Rabbeinu lost out because Hashem wanted to give somebody else a chance. but So that's why Rashi uses the first interpretation. Usually when Rashi gives two interpretations, it's because we want to uh, sort of, each one of them has somewhat of a problem. So in the first Rashi, first interpretation, the question is, why would Hashem wait such a long time uh, to punish Moshe Rabbeinu, 39 years. And in the second interpretation is why should Moshe Rabbeinu lose out uh, just because Hashem wants to give an opportunity for the uh, daughters of Tzlavchot. It's interesting, this argument that the Rebbe makes over here, because, you know, sometimes you think when you give another person a chance, so Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to write the whole Torah, Right, but Hashem made it so to give other people a credit for writing the Torah. It almost seems like Moshe Rabbeinu didn't really lose out so much. He did because he didn't write it. It could have just be written. It. In other words, what did Moshe Rabbeinu lose out over here? He lo- lost out on being the one who initiated this writing of this portion. But he didn't really lose out 
Hashem still said to Moshe Rabbeinu, it was Moshe Rabbeinu who Hashem said it, but it was written due to the complaint and due to the argument of the B'nai Slavchot. And yet, the Rebbe says that this is considered something for Moshe Rabbeinu that he's losing out because Hashem gave it away, basically. It was, Rashi says, it was fit to be written to Moshe Rabbeinu. This tells us how much we should cherish, you know, everything, every opportunity of of learning of the Torah. And we have the lessons, I guess, from both of these sides, um, how much we need to be careful that even Moshe Rabbeinu, who definitely, I mean, what what, what was the what was the uh, the plan was because his father-in-law told him that you can't handle it all alone. So basically, he was trying to organize it and say, well, the easier things you know you handle, and the difficult things come back to me. It wasn't like he was just trying to boast about it, but yet the way he expressed it, it came across a lot. Of, it came across sort of like boasting. It's also. It's what the other people hear, you know, it's like, um, we find it several times, like we find it by the Malach, we find this sort of idea a few times, you know, when the uh, the Malach said, when he was saving uh, Lot over there by the story with Avraham, also they gave themselves credit, you know, that we're going to be doing it, and then Hashem had to show them, no, 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 you can't do it without Hashem. So the fact that it shows us how much we should not try to uh, give ourselves the credit, but to speak in a way that is full with humility and know that, I don't know if I can give you the answer. If Hashem will put the answer in my, in my head, then I'll give you the answer. I don't know for sure that I can give you the answer. And that would be probably the uh, the better way. And I also, on the other hand, uh, over here we see that even uh, not to write this portion or give somebody else the initiative was something which was lacking by uh, by Moshe Rabbeinu. And it doesn't we shouldn't take away if you want to give something to somebody else. So I guess if Hashem wants to give credit to the daughters of Tzlovchot or give them, he can give them something else not by taking it away from Moshe Rabbeinu, because Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to write it, so Hashem could have given him something else. Why did Hashem take something away from Moshe Rabbeinu? So that's why Rebbe learns Rashi doesn't like that, that, that interpretation. That's why it's a second interpretation. But still it is an interpretation, but the question is the first and the second interpretation. So this, and the uh, Rashi points out, like I said before, that they loved Israel, and you can see how important it is to, uh, you know, to love Israel, and it's important to speak up. See, they came, they spoke up, they spoke up to Moshe, they didn't accept it, they didn't just um, say, okay, nobody's telling us anything, uh, so we're not going to, I'm presuming that Moshe Rabbeinu eventually would have told them to that, uh, but um, uh, but the fact is that they spoke up. 
because they were uh, missing out and they didn't hear the laws and this law wasn't clear. So they spoke up. So the point here is that when things are not working out so right, then you actually speak up for yourself. Alright, so now let's do, there's another further after this verse the Pasuk continues to uh, discuss uh, that Hashem says basically to Moshe Rabbeinu that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to pass away that his time has come he's not going to take the people to Israel and the time has come so Moshe speaks to Hashem saying he says to Hashem Yifkoid Hashem elikei haruchais l'chol basar ish al ha'ida. He's asking Hashem to appoint Hashem, the God of the spirits. He's asking Hashem appoint a man over the community. So he was asking Hashem to make a next leader because he's gonna die. Who's gonna lead the Bnei Yisrael? Who's gonna take care of the Jewish people? And he goes on to say, who's going to go in front of them, who's going to come in front of them. He'll lead them on the way out, the way in. He says, the Jewish community shall not remain like sheep that don't have a shepherd. He says, should not be like another shepherd. So he basically asks Hashem to appoint a leader. And then Hashem tells him, that he should take Yehoshua bin Nun, and he has, he's a man of spirit, you lean your hands on him, give him over of your holiness, and he will be the one to bring in the level. And Moshe Rabbeinu does so. Okay, and then the Pasuk continues, then it goes over to a totally different subject. What's the next subject? Then the Pasik says, so this talks about Moshe Rabbeinu speaking to Hashem, asking Hashem that Hashem should appoint a leader for the Bnei Yisrael. So then Hashem says to Moshe, Tzav as Bnei Yisrael. Instruct the Bnei Yisrael. V'amarta aleihem and say to them, as korboni lachmi li'ishai. My sacrifices, my bread for my fires, reyach nichoichi, it's a pleasant aroma, tishmru l'hakir li'bimoyadoi. The next psukim, till the end of the parsha, discuss all the korbanot that we bring every day, on Shabbat, on all the chagim, everything, everything goes from here on to the end of the parsha, discussed about all the holidays, first the Shabbat, first the regular Shabbat, and then so on and so forth. So here, there's also an interesting, an interesting Rashi over here. Uh, so, Tzav as Bnei Yisrael, instruct the Bnei Yisrael. What is the meaning of the word Tzav? Tzav. Sometimes we have the word daber, amor. What is the meaning of the word tzav? A mitzvah. Tzav means instruct, command. Right. Tzav, command. When do we use a language of tzav? 
So Rashi says there is a portion in the Chumash in Vayikra, which is called the portion of Tzav. There's after Vayikra Tzav. The second portion in the book of Vayikra is called Tzav. And Rashi explains over there that what is the meaning of the word Tzav? The meaning of the word Tzav means encouragement. When you gotta when you gotta encourage them to do the mitzvah, you know, sometimes uh, mitzvahs are expensive, sometimes mitzvahs uh, could be difficult, and sometimes you have a hard time doing a mitzvah, so we have to tell you, tzav, that's sort of an encouragement, go ahead, do it, you know, tzav is b'nei Yisrael, okay. Now, the verse talks about the korbanot, so who, who are the ones that needed that encouragement? It seems like that would be the Kohanim, because they are, the Kohanim are the ones that do the service in the Beit HaMikdash. They are the ones that bring the Korbanot. So the question is, why does it say Tzav et Bnei Yisrael? Why does it not say, why does it say, it should say Tzavet HaKohanim? So here when you see, it says, by Daber Hashem, Moshe Leimor, it says, Tzav at Bnei Yisrael. Well, who are we trying to encourage over here? We're not actually trying to encourage the Bnei Yisrael, it would seem. It would seem like we're trying to encourage the Kohanim. So why does it say over here, Bnei Yisrael? So, the Rebbe explains over here like this, um, that that's what Rashi, actually in the Rashi, you'll see, Rashi says, explains this whole, this whole verse in a different context a little bit. The Rebbe, the Rebbe says like this, that this verse comes a follow-up to the previous verse. What did Moshe Rabbeinu ask Hashem? We learned before. What did he ask Hashem? He asked him to appoint a leader. He asked him. What's the language that he used? He says, Yifkod. He speaks to Hashem. And he says, Yifkod Hashem. Hashem should appoint a man over the community. The word Yifkod is a pretty strong language to speak to Hashem, to say, appoint. Moshe Rabbeinu says, doesn't ask Hashem, will you appoint, who are you going to appoint, what are you going to do? Moshe Rabbeinu speaks in a way of Yifkod. Hashem. Hashem, you appoint. He's telling Hashem, appoint a man to lead the community. So, basically, Moshe Rabbeinu was speaking tough to Hashem, telling Hashem. He was basically telling Hashem what to do. He tells Hashem, you've called Hashem. And this is Hashem's response to Moshe Rabbeinu. Rashi learns over here. When Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Tzav, as Bnei Yisrael, you command the Bnei Yisrael, 
what Hashem was saying to Moshe, instead of you instructing me about my children, in other words, to make sure that there is a leader, you're instructing me, you're telling me what to do for my children, why don't you instruct my children how they should behave towards me? You tell my children that they must behave in a way that they remember Hashem. So basically, we have Moshe Rabbeinu telling Hashem what to do for the Jewish people, and then Hashem is responding to him by saying, no, 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 don't tell me what I have to do for the Jewish people. Why don't you tell and make sure that the, Jew, that the Jewish people will listen to Hashem, to Allah, to Hashem. And Rashi brings a parable. And the reason Rashi needs to bring a parable over here is because it's a little bit difficult to understand how could Moshe Rabbeinu speak to Hashem in a way of telling Hashem what to do, that Hashem should appoint. And also what we need to understand, Moshe Rabbeinu was asking for Hashem something which was essential for the preservation of the Jewish people. Because he asked Hashem to give them a leader so that is going to take care of the Jewish people. So how could you compare that? Hashem is saying, oh, make sure that the Bnei Yisrael, the Korban they'll bring, there'll be a pleasant aroma. That seems like to be extra. That doesn't seem like to be so important. Rashi says that Hashem was saying to Moshe, oh, what I'm asking you is more important than what you asked me. But how do we explain that? Why is that more important for the people to bring the Korbanot why would that be more important than Moshe Rabbeinu asking Hashem for a leader for the Jewish people? So Rashi explains this with a parable. Rashi says there was a daughter of a king when she was dying from when she was dying. She was passing from this world. And therefore she's instructing her husband to take care of her children. So, when you're talking about a daughter of a king, what does it mean, a daughter of a king? That means that she has a little chutzpah. They have a little brazency. She's a daughter of a king. So, at the time that she's about to pass from the world, and there is no choice, and you're talking about her children, so she has to speak up. That explains to us how Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to Hashem in a way of commanding Hashem what to do. Because we know that Moshe Rabbeinu bring a a true leader, we find other examples. Moshe Rabbeinu spoke up in the defense of the Jewish people. He spoke up to Hashem. And he actually spoke harshly sometimes when he wanted Hashem to forgive them. So, since he is like compared to a bas melech, to a daughter of a king, and when it 
is a time that is about to pass from the world, so he instructs her husband. Now, when we're talking about a husband, we're talking about a daughter of a king who's married to an ordinary person. That means he's married to her husband. And because he's married to the husband, in this case, it's not that she's married to a king. She's married to an ordinary person, which means the Jewish people sometimes didn't treat Hashem like he was their king. They treated Hashem in a way that maximum we can call it like a father, but they're not, they didn't always treat Hashem in the right way. They always were complaining as we're reading constantly in the Chumash. So, therefore, uh, there's no choice. Because the Yidden need leadership, because the Yidden need somebody strong, because they need somebody to lead them, to take him in and out, Moshe Rabbeinu speaks up to Hashem. But the interesting thing is, Hashem says to him, you know what, as much as it's important for you to make sure that there is a leader, it's important for you to make sure that the Bnei Yisrael do the Karbanot as well. Because if you see in the in the Siddur, in the Chumash, it says, at Karboni Lachmi. The Korban is my bread. It's my bread. Bread sustains the person. The person needs bread to live on. Hashem is basically saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, it is very absolutely important to me that the people, the Bnei Yisrael, do the service to Hashem, that they do the Korbanot. You know, we know that we know we daven uh, twice a day. We have every day we daven. We daven shachrit and mincha. The reason we daven shachrit and mincha. We also have mariv, but mariv is considered, at least originally, it was considered to be an optional prayer. It's not as mandatory prayer like shachrit and mincha. These two prayers correspond to the two prayers that we do, to the two korbanot that were brought every day, called the korban tamid. So when we pray in the morning and the afternoon, they correspond to the two korbanot. And basically Hashem is saying that your prayers, your offering to Hashem, is actually an essential to Hashem. This is my bread. That is how important. You know, in prayer, we daven every day the same prayer. We don't change, you know, every day we do the same Amida, we do the same, every time we do the same thing. Somebody can say, so what's the point? I'm just repeating it again and again. So Mela, when we learn Torah, so I'm learning a new Pasek, I'm learning a new idea, I'm learning a new concept, there's exciting. 
But when I'm davening, I'm using the same words every day. Doesn't seem to be any uh, any new insight over there. So Hashem says no. Your davening, your korban, is actually my bread. This is so important to me that this becomes lachmi, this becomes my bread. And every time that a yid prays to Hashem, that gives Hashem's satisfaction. So that Hashem actually gives Hashem's his, uh, his nurturing, what Hashem needs. And um, what uh, I think the message that we can learn out from this, you know, is not to take, uh, sometimes we don't value enough what we do. We don't understand, we don't realize that every time that we do a prayer or every time we do a mitzvah, we don't really appreciate enough the significance and the power that that mitzvah has. And, but Hashem says, no, this is equal as much as we need to take care of you, you we need it, as much as Hashem needs to take care of the Jewish people, the Jewish people need to take care of Hashem. How do we take care of Hashem? When we do, when we daven, and we learn, that's the way we take care of Hashem. And our prayers is very meaningful to Hashem. And there Hashem is bread and Hashem's sustenance. I just wanted to finish, so we'll keep making it a little bit shorter today. I'm a little bit under the weather. So I'm going to just finish with, as uh, Janice mentioned, about the 17th day of Tammuz on Thursday, and also talk for a minute about the conclusion of the Rambam. The Rebbe has instituted, 40 years ago, the Rebbe instituted that people should study the uh, book of Maimonides. What is special about the book of Maimonides or known as Rambam, the Rambam, or it's also known as the Mishneh Torah, the Yad HaChazokah, the various names that the Rambam is called by, is that his book covers the entire scope of all of the Torah. Everything in the Torah is in the book of the Rambam. Now, in the most likely, when you go to a regular Shulchan Aruch, uh, that would have mostly laws that are applicable today. So let's say they'll talk about prayer, they'll talk about Shabbat, they'll talk about marriage, they'll talk about uh, laws that are applicable today. But they won't talk about laws about the Beta Mikdash because we don't have a Beta Mikdash today. They won't talk about laws about Kohanim because we don't have the Kohanim today. But Maimonides in his book he covers the entire, entire halachas of all of the Torah. And the Rebbe suggested that we should all basically cover the entire Torah once a year. Once a year we should cover the entire Torah. Um, in order to cover the entire Torah once a year, you have to study three chapters every single day. If you study three chapters every day of the Maimonides, then in approximately a year, you know, a little bit less than that, you cover the entire Maimonides. 
So this Thursday, the 17th day of Tammuz, is going to be the 40th cycle of the conclusion of Maimonides, which means that the Rebbe started it 40 years ago, and we're finishing the 40th cycle, in which people that study covered the whole Maimonides, in these every year of these 40 years. Now, to study three chapters per day in Maimonides is a it's a daunting task, it's a lot. Not everybody is able to actually accomplish that. So the Rebbe gave a alternative schedule of study. And that is, instead of three chapters a day, you only study one chapter a day. And that means that you finish Maimonides once in three years. Instead of once every year, every third year, you finish Maimonides in that cycle. So some people study three chapters a day, and some study one chapter a day. Today, I mean tomorrow, on Thursday, they will be completing the Maimonides, and everybody is completing it, whether you're finishing it three chapters uh, per, per day, or you do one chapter per day, you're still going to be finishing the entire cycle on Thursday, Shivasa Tammuz, 17th Tammuz. Now everything is by divine providence. 17th of Tammuz is a fast day. Why is it a fast day? It's a fast day is because we mourn the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash of the Temple. And what is the uh, reason that the Temple was destroyed? So we see in the Talmud it was because of hatred that people didn't get along. Sinat Chinam, hatred without a reason. That was the reason why the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. So, the important thing is when it comes a fast day, is to increase our unity and to increase our togetherness. And this is also the idea behind having the Siyam Rambam, having all people study together everybody studying together and doing the same halachas. This is similar to what they have the Daf Yomi. But the Daf Yomi, they learned the entire Talmud over a period of seven years. Here, it's either once one every year or once in three years. But this idea is to get people to unite as a united front and the unity takes place in the study of Torah, which is of itself very powerful, and we get a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of together to study the same thing, that adds to that special quality of uh, the day. So it's by coincidence, but by divine providence, that the seum, that the conclusion of Maimonides takes place on the 17th day of Tammuz, which is a fast day, which we mourn the destruction of the temple for being divisive and separate to and hatred to bring about the level of together unity and love and a show of support for each other and being all together. So I hope and I pray that uh, this 17th of Tammuz as the Rambam says, will 
be turned around, that instead of being days of mourning and days of fasting, will turn around and they will become days of rejoicing, days of happy days, and days of simcha, uh, and for sure that is all hinges on the coming of Mashiach Tzidkenu, which we hope will come very soon in our days. So let me just review very quickly. Uh, so uh, we talked today a little bit about the daughters of Tzlovchot and how they loved Israel and how they asked uh, for a piece of the land after their father passed away. And we, we read about that Moshe Rabbeinu forgot the laws, and we read about the fact that um, why did Moshe Rabbeinu forget the law is either because he gave himself credit before, oh, anything difficult bring to me, and he shouldn't have said that, or because Hashem wanted to give an opportunity for the daughters of Tzlovcha that they should be uh, the ones uh, writing it. We learned also that the verse says that Moshe brought mishpatam, their judgment, versus just saying he brought the matter. That means that the matter itself wasn't the issue. In this case, the issue was the judgment. So he knew the halacha, but he then he forgot what it was. Then we also talked about the two parshiyas in which Moshe first asks Hashem to appoint a leader to lead the Jewish people. And then the next parsha begins, Hashem says, no, you instruct the Bnei Yisrael. And Rashi explains over there that what Hashem was saying to Moshe, why are you telling me that I should command the Bnei Yisrael, that I should appoint a leader? You're commanding me. Why don't you command the Bnei Yisrael? And we talked about why did Moshe Rabbeinu speak like that to Hashem? Because he was like a daughter of a king. He was like, before he was passing away, he wanted to make sure. But yet we see that Hashem considers the korbanot that the people are going to bring from him very, very extremely important. We talked about the davening today takes the place of the korban. So don't make a mistake that you're davening every day and it comes out that it's the same thing. Don't make a mistake and think that it's not as important. But every day you daven and every time you do a mitzvah, it's very, very precious to Hashem. It's actually like the bread. It's like the sustenance that it sustains Hashem. And then we talked about the Rambam, that we're concluding the 40th cycle, uh, for those who study one day, and then also the three, uh, three uh, one chapter per day, also concluding, and, and talked about the idea that a fast day is to remind us to start and continue to be nice to each other, to have brotherly love, to care about each other. And that way we can overcome the reasons for the destruction, and that will bring blessings. And the fact that the Siyum, the conclusion of the Rambam, comes on Shivasa Betamos is a, is a beautiful message to, to show that what we have to do in order to make up for the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. So we hope that Hashem will build us the Beis HaMikdash, and even this uh, Shivasa Betamus, uh, we won't have to uh, be any more fasting and mourning because we'll have Mashiach here, which is, by the way, the end of the laws of Maimonides. He discusses about the coming of Mashiach. That's the actual end of the last, the final laws of, 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 of Maimonides. So let's hope that it happens uh, very speedily in our day.